All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial with Frank Graney, a News Talk original podcast. A woman in her 20s has died following an assault in County Offaly. The incident happened along the Canal Bank at Cappenker in Tullamore at around four o'clock this afternoon. Breaking news, the arrest made on suspicion of murder of Ashling Murphy, the school teacher. Joseph Puska of Linali Grove, Mukla County Offaly, appeared before a special sitting of Tullamore District Court last night. On the afternoon of the 12th of January last year, Ashley Murphy, a 23-year-old school teacher, was killed while out for a run along the banks of the Grand Canal in Tullamore. Josef Pushka, a Slovakian man who was living at Lenali Grove in Mukla, County Offaly at the time, is on trial for her murder. He has pleaded not guilty. I'm Frank Graney, courts correspondent for News Talk. And I'm Ashling Moore, radio producer. I'll be in the Central Criminal Court for every minute of the Ashley Murphy murder trial. And every evening we'll bring you a factual, accurate and balanced account of what the jury hears on any given day. And only what the jury hears. It's their job to decide on the facts of this case and they'll do so based only on the evidence presented to them at trial. This is All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. Welcome to episode six, Brown Eyes. So with a later start than usual today, Frank, the prosecuting barrister Anne-Marie Lawler resumed calling witnesses after lunch on what mm-hmm. is the second week of the Ashling Murphy murder trial. The jury heard from a woman who claims Josef Pushka was slowly following her on a bike roughly an hour or so before it's believed Ashling was killed. And she claims he was staring at her in what she felt was an intimidating way. The jurors also heard from a witness who described seeing a man acting weird later that day and several paramedics also took the stand today. But first, maybe we should begin, Frank, with the last witness to give evidence today, Anne-Marie Kelly. And her name has already been mentioned in this case. Yes, um, the jurors have already heard her name and today wasn't the first time that they saw her either. Uh, Granted, it was the first time that they saw her in person. Uh, But last week, they would have seen her feature in a number of clips uh, presented to them during the CCTV evidence. You may remember uh, the jury being told that just before 2 p.m. on the day that Ashley Murphy was killed, the footage showed a woman out walking her dog and the jury was told that that woman's name is Anne-Marie Kelly. And the Garda who narrated the clip uh, last week, um, Garda David Harney, pointed out that Josef Pushka um, is cycling his bike behind her for a number of minutes. So there was a sequence of clips that involved Anne-Marie Kelly out walking her dog and they were shown to the jurors last week. And this was shortly before the last afternoon clip of Mr. Pushka, which was at five minutes past two that afternoon when he could be seen entering the Dangan Road car park, which is near the Grand Canal. This was the same car park Ashley Murphy was seen parking her red car in uh, less than an hour later. Anne-Marie Kelly is a primary school teacher. Um, We heard that she was living in Tullamore at the time and she said that she initially made contact with Gardaí on the night uh, of the 12th of January last year and again the following day uh, because there was a man, she said, following her as she was out for a walk uh, on the 12th. Um, She said that he was following her for quite a bit of time. Now, this is in her direct evidence at the very beginning of her direct evidence, which was um, she was being asked questions by the prosecuting barrister. Um, also, Anne-Marie, uh, albeit Anne-Marie Lawler, uh, senior counsel. And uh, she asked Ms. Kelly if she had ever seen the CCTV footage of her out for a walk that day 
with her dog and she confirmed that she has never seen it. Um, she said that she had started her walk on Church Road in Tullamore at two o'clock that afternoon. She knew the time because she had a fitness belt on her um, as she put a dog litter bag in a bin just by McDonald's. She said she noticed somebody on a bike behind her, uh, very close to her, cycling his bike very slowly. And this was Anne-Marie Kelly's account of what happened that afternoon before she was shown the CCTV. Yeah, she she was shown the CCTV footage a little bit later. But again, after confirming that she hadn't seen it, she was, I suppose, recounting her memory of her movements and what she saw um, that day. She said that she noticed somebody on the bike behind her, as I said. Um, she felt this person was very close to her, cycling their bike very slowly and staring directly at her. She said that she stepped in um, because the footpath widened up at a garden centre um, not far from McDonald's and she said she stepped in to let this person on the bike pass as she said that um, he didn't. Um, so she kept going. She said she felt very uncomfortable and before she got to Toymaster in Tullamore, a short distance away, she said that she stopped and she started staring at her phone um, in the hope that he would pass by her then at that point and she said that uh, he did. He passed by her in what she described as really, really slow motion. Um, she said that he was looking back at her over his shoulder again while on the bike sli- uh, cycling slowly and she said that he was staring at her for what felt like a few minutes but, you know, looking back it must have been only a few seconds, but she said it felt like a few minutes. She was asked if she could remember what this person um, looked like. Um, you know, this was during a time where, you know, COVID was a little bit more rampant than it is nowadays. But she said that um, he wasn't wearing a mask. Uh, so she was able to give a description of um, of him. Um, she described the bike firstly as being dark grey in colour. Uh, she said that he was wearing a dark zip up jacket. She said it was opened. A black tracksuit bottoms. She described him as having a similar build to herself, five foot seven or maybe five foot eight, slim build, shaved head, she said, black stubble, dark eyes. And in relation to his eyes, she said she really noticed them. Uh, she described them as very distinctive. She said that he had uh, dark eyebrows, sallow skin. And again, she returned to the eyes, which she described as really dark eyes. Um, she said this man didn't appear to be local. A foreign guy was how she she put it to the jury today. And she said that he was going super slow, uh, like slow motion, staring at her, looking back over his shoulders. And she said that it felt like an intimidating stare. So what did she do next? Well, she kept going up Church Road. She was heading towards the canal. Um, she was out with her dog, Joey. Um, she said that she was she had her phone on her. She was buried in her phone. She was looking for a podcast. She was uh, texting and she said that she crossed a pedestrian crossing at Tullamore College. She kept going up by the Sacred Heart National School um, on the Dangan Road. And she said she jogged up a steep hill alongside a, a car park. And she said she was out for she was out for a walk or a, a light jog that day. She was exercising. So she jogged up that hill uh, beside the car park. Um, she got as far as the canal, went straight into the, into the gate uh, onto a grassy verge. She wanted to check if it was mucky. Um, she let her dog off the lead. And she said that she again noticed uh, this man standing to the left of her. Um, she said that he was standing off his bike, uh, looking at her. Looking around him, she said, as she said, she made the quick and as she described it in her evidence, probably foolish decision uh, that he wouldn't be able to bring his bike down the grassy side of of the canal. And I suppose for those of you who aren't familiar with the Grand Canal in Tullamore, it's already been explained to the jury that one side of the canal has tarmac So people can 
walk on it, cycle, go for runs, things like that. That's not to say that they can't do on the other side, but there is no path on on the other side. It's a it's a grassy verge. And um, she went down there in the hope that he wouldn't be able to follow her on on the bike. She said she was very nervous of of this man. Um, so she kept going down that grassy side, walking fast. Um, she noticed that he was behind her, uh, walking his bike quite fast down this grass part. She said he was maybe a few metres behind her at first, but that he caught up with her and was right behind her as she reached a white van. At this point, at the white van, she said she had to step out. And then she said there was somebody who looked like a farmer behind the van. And she said that they exchanged hellos. So after the brief interaction with the farmer, she continued on her walk after that and walking nice Mm -hmm. and fast is how she described it. And then for some reason she had to stop. Yes, um, she couldn't quite remember why she had to stop, but she she said perhaps it was to tie her shoelace or to get the dog to follow. Again, the dog was off the lead at this point. And she said she noticed that the man had got in front of her again. Uh, She said that he was walking his bike very, very slowly, maybe 10 feet ahead of her at this point, she said. Um, She said she didn't want any more awkward conversations. Um, She made a decision to put her head down and to jog on, conscious not to make eye contact or engage with him in any way. And she got to Boland's Lock, um, a point on the canal, at about 20 past two in the afternoon. Um, she was conscious this man was behind her and catching up with her. She said she could see that he was coming quite fast up the hill. So she decided to jog uh, from the lock, Boland's Lock, to Digby Bridge. And she said that she didn't see him after that. She told the jury that she just wanted to get away from this man. And and at this point, she was shown the CCTV footage. She had access to um, a screen and a mouse in the witness box. And she was asked to point uh, herself out in the footage, which she did. And when she was asked if the man she saw at McDonald's was the man she saw on the canal, she said yes. Now, Mr. Pushka remembers passing Miss Kelly and he remembers looking at her, but he has a very different take on what happened. Yeah, certainly a a very different version of events from uh, Mr. Pushka, as was put to Ms. Kelly um, under cross-examination by Mr. Pushka's barrister, Michael Bowman, who asked her firstly um, if if it was correct that the first time she became aware of Mr. Pushka was when he was behind her uh, at McDonald's. And she said, yes. She then went on to say, I can picture brown eyes definitely foreign looking. Again, she said she pulled in to let him pass, but that he didn't and that she then stopped. You moved to let him by, asked Mr. Bowman. Yes, twice was her reply. Uh, Mr. Bowman then asked um, or then said that his client, Josef Pushka, recollects passing her that afternoon and remembers looking at her, but he says that he did not stare at her or that if he did, he certainly didn't mean to. Uh, That's my recollection, was the reply from uh, Anne-Marie Kelly. I was first thinking, she said, I just want to get away from him. I then thought that maybe he was foreign, that maybe he was lost. Michael Bowman then suggested that Mr. Pushka was in front of her in or around that white van where she met and said hello to the farmer. A moment ago, you may remember that I said in her evidence, Ms. Kelly said that Mr. Pushka was behind her, very close behind her. And when she was when that was put to her, she said to Mr. Bowman, no, he was definitely behind me and remained behind me until I stopped about 50 metres or so uh, up from that. He wasn't following you, was then put to her by uh, Mr. Bowman. And Ms. Kelly replied, it appeared like he was following me. That was your sense, she was asked. Yes, was her reply. 
And that marked the end of Ms Kelly's testimony and the jurors then heard from another woman who features in the CCTV compilation shown last week. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, a woman by the name of Beata Barofska and she unlike Anne-Marie, had been shown the CCTV footage before today. Um, A monitor in the witness box was swivelled around for her to look at again. Um, She pointed herself walking along Church Road in Tullamore in what she described as a dark red jacket. She said she was on her way to Tesco as Yosef Pushka cycles behind her. Um, She's shown going into the shop at about a quarter to two that afternoon. And Mr Pushka then cycles back towards Tullamore Town. She was asked if she had any awareness of anyone behind her that day. No, not at all, was her reply. We heard from a number of paramedics last week who described going to the Grand Canal after Ashling's body was found. But today, the jurors heard from some paramedics who treated Josef Pushka the following day. That's right. The first witness called today was Connor Mackey, um, a paramedic with Dublin Fire Brigade. He's based at Dolphins Barn, 10 years experience. Um, he described going to a house in Crumlin in Dublin at about 11 o'clock on the morning of the 13th of January last year. So this was the morning after Ashley Murphy had been allegedly murdered. And he said they were responding to a call, um, a report that somebody had been stabbed. Um, he described going into the bedroom of this apartment. He was led to that room. Uh, there were a number of people there, he said. Um, in the bedroom then was a man who it is accepted was Josef Pushke, hunched over a bedside locker. Uh, he said that they had been told he had stab wounds. Um, they lifted him onto the bed. Um, from what he could see, he appeared to have uh, three wounds um, and appeared to be in some pain. The wounds were across his stomach area. Um, he said that they were not actively bleeding, that one of the wounds had a dressing on it, but they did not, in his opinion, appear to be fresh wounds. Neil Cusker then, uh, from also from Dublin Fire Brigade, uh, gave evidence today. He was also in the apartment that day. He was there as the clinical lead, which, as we learned today, you know, a clinical lead in those situations would direct other paramedics on duty, would administer certain medication that other paramedics uh, cannot administer to a patient. And he said that he saw Mr. Pushka uh, kneeling over that locker or something at the end of the bed was how he put it. He said he wasn't speaking English, so they had to get somebody in to, to translate. Um, a woman came into the room. He thought it might have been Mr. Pushka's cousin and she translated for them uh, in relation to whatever pain Mr. Pushka seemed to be having. He said that he was holding his stomach and he was making groaning, moaning noises. Uh, He had no top on. He was wearing some tracksuit bottoms. He said a number of people were in the apartment, including that woman who came into the room to translate. He said he gave him a full examination, uh, checked him from head to toe. And again, could see three stab wounds across his stomach area. And also he said that there were some scratch marks he noticed across uh, Mr. Pushka's head and on his hands. And when he was asked for a little bit more detail about the wounds on his stomach area, he described them as small, thin, like knife wounds. Uh, Looked to him to be stab wounds. He too said he didn't think that they looked fresh. There was dry blood at the end of them. Uh, No way of telling how deep they were. And he described how he gave 
certain medication to Mr. Pushka to stop any potential internal bleeding. He said he couldn't tell if he was bleeding internally. So this was given as, I suppose, a, a precaution. And he also gave him uh, morphine for the pain. The National Ambulance Service then arrived and the, the, the paramedics from Dublin Fire Brigade handed Mr. Pushka uh, over to them. Uh, Rianne Finch is a paramedic with the National Ambulance Service. She also gave evidence today. She described how Joseph Pushka was lying on bed uh, on the bed when she went into the bedroom of that apartment. She could see him propped up on the bed. Um, also saw three small stab wounds across his stomach area. She said that he wasn't actively bleeding at the time. Uh, she described them as uh, three small puncture wounds. Uh, they were clean, she said, um, not actively bleeding. And he said, or she said that Mr. Pushka was not communicating with her. Uh, she said he didn't make eye contact with her. There was no cu- communication between them. And she too spoke uh, directly to a woman in the room who was was translating. She described then how her colleague, Eddie, uh, brought in a chair and a blanket. They moved Mr. Pushka onto the chair and brought him to the ambulance that was parked outside uh, on that chair. Um, she was advised by um, her colleagues at Dublin Fire Brigade that there were additional wounds. She said she could see them himself. Uh, she described them as superficial wounds to the head and hands. Appeared to be like scratches, she said. She said that they didn't require treatment. And she said that Mr. Pushka was then brought to St. James's Hospital, which is in Dublin 8 and not Blanchardstown. I think on the podcast last week at some stage, I may have described St. James's as being in Blanchardstown. That's not the case. He was taken to St. James's Hospital in Dublin 8. And finally then, uh, the jury heard from a woman who described seeing a man acting weird on the evening Ashling died. That's right. Um, a young woman called Neve Arthur uh, also gave evidence today and she described how she left her office in Tullamore at about half past eight to go back home to Kilbegan. Um, she said that her boyfriend was driving them home. Uh, they took the uh, the road to Kilbegan is the N52. And she said on the N52, Uh, she noticed a man in dark clothing on her side of the road. So she was seated in the passenger seat while her uh, boyfriend was driving. And she said that she got a fright. Uh, She described this person as wearing dark clothing on a dark road on what was a dark night. Um, She said it looked suspicious. She described this person as being tucked in at a weird angle towards the verge. Acting weird uh, was how she described him. Um, They locked eyes. He looked shocked. He looked lost was what she said to the jury today. And when she was asked for a description, she said that um, in terms of age, he was maybe in his mid-30s or thereabouts. And she described him as having medium tanned skin. She said it's not somewhere you'd find yourself, um, you know, that hour of the evening. She said she may, you know, see pedestrians from time to time walking along there during the day, but never at night. She thought maybe he got kicked out of a car or something like that. And she said that he was trying to be hidden. We also heard some similar evidence from a man called Roy Jennings, who described leaving his house at about 20 past eight that evening. And again, this was the same day that Ashley Murphy was killed along the Grand Canal. And he said that he was going to um, the local Aldi, which isn't too far from Tesco, we learned today. But before he went there, he said that um, he had heard about what had happened down at the canal and that he went to the car park across from the National School uh, on the Dangan Road. This would have been the same car park that... Um, Ashley Murphy uh, drove into earlier that day. He said he went down to have a look. He was curious. Um, he spent just a few minutes there before he continued on and and went to to Aldi. And he said that on his way to Aldi, um, he was heading out the Dangan Road. He took a ride at the roundabout to go south down 
the N52 and that when he took that turn, just as he passed a recycling centre, he said it was pitch black and out of nowhere, this guy appeared. He said that he felt like he could easily have hit him with his car. He described him as walking on the side of the road. He said he was wearing dark clothing. He said he continued on his journey. He went to Aldi. He was there for maybe 10, 15 minutes or so. He went back home the same direction that he had came from. And on the N52, again, a few yards up the road, he said he came across the same individual. Um, This time he was on his left-hand side. He had crossed over and was heading towards him. So he was face on. And he just thought he noticed the clothing, first of all. And he said that his tracksuit bottom stood out for him. He described them as black with a cream or white stripe down the side of the leg on the outside. He said they looked dirty, roughed up was how he put it, as if this man had been rolling in grass or muck. Um, he described him as having a smeg, uh, similar to what he had um, in relation to facial hair. Uh, he said that it was a lot darker than his um, he said that he was Middle Eastern in appearance. He was he was dark. He was wearing a dark top. And when he saw him, he felt, having learned, I suppose, um, what had happened on the canal earlier that day, he thought to himself, could this be the guy? Um, he thought it couldn't be because at that stage, he believed the guards had a suspect uh, already in custody uh, that evening. So he continued on his journey home. And a couple of days later then, he said that he was sent a CCTV image of the alleged suspect on a bicycle. And the first thing he said that he noticed was the distinctive tracksuit bottoms that he had seen that night, the white stripe. He said it looked very similar to the person that he saw that night. And he said that's why he contacted the guards. That's it for episode six of All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. The jurors will hear from more witnesses when they return to court at 11 o'clock in the morning. And they were told today that there may even be an early finish for them tomorrow. I'm Frank Graney, courts correspondent for News Talk, and I'll be in court every day. You can follow me on X at Frank Graney for updates and make sure you follow this podcast, All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial for an impartial and comprehensive account of what happens in court on any given day. All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial was hosted by Frank Graney and Ashley Moore with sound design by Lachlan Hart. Follow the podcast on Newstalk.com on the Newstalk app, powered by Go Loud, or wherever you get your podcasts.